Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached. Hi everyone and uh, welcome to Shofar Christian Church on this new year. And uh, yeah, we, as we look forward to a new year, it's always an interesting time because in a sense you're looking back towards the previous year and the previous years and in light of that, in the context of that, you're also looking forward to a new year. Uh, and often it's a time of excitement because of new possibilities, but also a bit of a, a time for, for many people of a bit of trepidation and worry because you don't know what the new year holds. And especially with the last year or two that we've been through with COVID-19, lockdowns, all kinds of just disruption of our normal lives and, and our, our lives being turned upside down, a lot more uncertainty than usual. Uh, and um, I think for for some people, a bit of fear, you know, I, th- I think um, many people were very excited about 2021, you know, especially after 2020 and the lockdowns and stuff that started there. And they thought, ah, oh, 2021, everything's going to start over. It's going to be better. It's going to be back to normal. And it wasn't. Um, in fact, I saw a little uh, um, funny uh, meme or something that, that someone posted and said, before 2021, people said, what doesn't kill you makes you better. After 2021, people are saying, what doesn't kill you mutates and tries again. <laughs> and um, it's, it's a bit funny, but, you know, I think a lot of people feel that, you know, at the beginning of, of 2022, people feel that and, and they were like, I was excited at the beginning of 2021 and things didn't turn out quite as I wanted them to or expected them to. So I'm a little bit nervous about the beginning of 2022. So if, if that's you, if you relate to that, I, I think it's quite normal to feel that way. But let's look at the Word of God. Let's look at the Bible. We've been looking at um, the Gospel of Luke. We had a Christmas challenge where we read a chapter from Luke um, every uh, day of December, one chapter, read it together, discussed it, and um, ended on the, on with Luke 24 on the 24th of December, just before Christmas. Uh, and I want to invite you, if you enjoyed that, if, if you and your family read it together and you benefited from that, why not just continue with the book of Acts? Why not start with Acts chapter 1, which is the second volume that Luke wrote, uh, and just continues the story. And, and there's lots of parallels between uh, the story of Jesus in Luke, in the Gospel of Luke, and the story of the Jesus movement in the book of Acts. Uh, so why not just continue it? And, and the end of Luke, chapter 24, and the beginning of Acts, um, tells us a lot about new beginnings and how to be able to face new beginnings, because it's all about new beginnings, uh, as we're going to see. Um, and just two important new beginnings that I want to highlight, that I just want to lift up for us um, and hopefully we'll learn a few things from them that will equip us to face this new year better. So let's, let's quickly look at um, Luke 24. I'm just going to read a few verses uh, starting in verse 1. It says, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, and when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. 
While they were wandering about, the suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. And then if we can jump to, to verse 36, where Jesus appears uh, to his uh, disciples. Now, this is not just the 12 apostles. There are a bunch of other disciples with him as well. So it's a whole group of disciples um, that Jesus appears to. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you, uh, or, which was the normal Hebrew greeting, Shalom, you know, peace. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe, believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that was written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. He told them, This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. And when he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually in the temple praising God. Um, beautiful, powerful account. And there's so much there. I'm not going to be able to um, cover everything that's there. I just want to lift out a few, uh, few things. Just... The first new beginning, uh, it says that the women discovered Jesus' resurrection, it says in verse 1, on the first day of the week. Now, of course, you know the first day of the week is Sunday. Saturday is the seventh day of the week, which is the Jewish Sabbath, and Sunday is the first day of the week. And um, it's on the, this first day of the week that Jesus rose from the dead. Uh, and the first day of the day, uh, the first day of the week is a day of new beginnings. In fact, that's when God started creating the heavens and the earth. So it's the ultimate new beginning, the, the creation of the heavens and the earth, uh, and and the new creation, which starts with Jesus's resurrection. He's the first fruits of the new creation. Also happens on the first day of the week, on a Sunday. 
um, to sort of mirror the original creation. The new creation mirrors the original creation. The beginning of the new creation mirrors the beginning of the original creation. And we've seen in church history books that the early church, that's one of the main reasons why the early church met, met on Sundays. Now, let me just read you maybe one example of that. This is from a guy called Justin Martyr who lived around 150 years after Christ. He was a church leader in the early church. Um, the, 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 the early Christians in the book of Acts obviously met every day of the week. Um, but later it became tradition, and when they had to decide, are we going to meet on the Sabbath, like um, the, the, the Jews, uh, the non-Christian Jews meet in the synagogues, or are we going to meet on another day? They, they chose to meet on the Sunday instead of on the S- Jewish Sabbath, the Saturday, um, to distinguish themselves from the non-Christian Jews on the one hand. But on the other hand, the more important reason was to celebrate this new beginning. Uh, and let me just read what Justin Martyr says. He says, Sunday is the day on which we all hold our common assembly because it is the first day of the week on which God made the world, having wrought a change in the darkness and matter, and also the day on which our Savior, Jesus Christ, rose from the dead. Um, And as you can see there, uh, what he's saying is it's an important new beginning. It was the beginning of the original creation, it's the beginning of the new creation when Jesus, as the first fruits from the dead, as the first fruits of the new creation, rose from the grave. Um, and it's a, according to Jesus, a new beginning that is in fulfillment of Scripture. I mean, he says that in, in, in Luke 24. He says, um, everything must be fulfilled. This is in verse 44. Everything must be fulfilled that was written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. Now he's talking about the Old Testament there. Those of you who know sort of biblical studies will know that the Jewish Old Testament was is ordered slightly differently from the Christian Old Testament. Um, the books are in different orders. Exactly the same content. The exactly the same books and content, but just the, the order of the books is slightly different. And it has three sections. The, f- the first section is the Law of Moses, the first five books from Genesis to Deuteronomy. Then there's the prophets, which include what we think of as the prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, the minor prophets like Joel, etc. But also what's called the former prophets, which would be um, what historical books like Joshua, Kings, Samuel, etc. Those were called the former prophets by the Jews. So, so that all of that would be included in the prophets. And then there's the writings, uh, of which Psalms was the biggest book. And often the writings were, in fact, just referred to as Psalms because Psalms was the most prominent book in the writings. And that included, um, you know, all kinds of other books like um, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, um, you know, books books like that. You know, sort of the last books. Of the Bible, the wisdom literature, you know, Proverbs, all that kind of stuff. So when he's, he's saying the law of Moses, the pr- prophets, and the Psalms, he's refer- referring to the entire Old Testament writings that they had at that st- stage, which is the Old Testament we have today. Uh, and he says, everything must be fulfilled that was written about me in the law, law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Now, what, a few things that's surprising about that, you know, you'd expect Jesus to say, well, the things in the prophets that predicted the future must be fulfilled about me. But he's not saying that it's just the predictive portions or the explicitly predictive portions of the Old Testament that talk about him. He says the law of Moses, so everything from Genesis to Deuteronomy, the former prophets, including the historical parts like Joshua, Kings, 
Samuel, all that kind of books, all the way through to the prophetic books, of course, Isaiah, Jeremiah, all of that. Uh, but then even the Psalms and the, and the wisdom literature, he says, all of that's about me. And everything that they wrote about me in there must be fulfilled. And part of what must be fulfilled, he says, the Messiah, this is in verse 46, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance, forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to, uh, to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. You are witnesses of this. So he's, he's, he's saying that there's a, he's rising from the dead. His death and then his resurrection is an important new beginning that is in fulfillment of Scripture. It's been prophesied throughout all of the Old Testament, not just certain places, but the whole Old Testament, either prophetically through predictive prophecy, but also just um, typologically through um, the, the typology of the, of the Old Testament. It's, it's, it's predicted and, 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 and fulfilled. Um, but then he does something interesting because they're, they're afraid and they think he's a ghost. Um, and in fact, many people will say, yeah, you know, many modern people who don't believe in miracles will say, yes, you know, Jesus didn't really rise from the dead. Uh, it was only a figurative or a spiritual resurrection. It's, it's as though Luke anticipates that and, and gives, shows us, you know, he records the, the history of what happened there in such a way that you cannot say that. He makes it absolutely clear it was a physical resurrection um, because they thought it was just spiritual. Here he is standing in their midst, and, and you can understand them thinking so because they were in, we know from John's gospel, they were behind locked doors, and he just appears there. So he obviously walked through the wall or through the doors or something um, while they were locked, and he stood there in their midst, and, he, and, and they're terrified. They're like, well, it must be a ghost. And, and he's like, no, I'm not. Um, you know, come here and touch me. See. Feel with your hands, see with your with your eyes. You know, use all of your senses. A ghost doesn't have flesh and bones like you see. I have, and then when they still, you know, terrified and 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 overwhelmed with with joy and amazement, he says, "Okay, do you have something to eat?" And uh, they bring him a, a piece of broiled fish, and he and he took it and ate it in their uh, and ate it in their presence, according to verse forty three. Now, think about this. Why doesn't Luke just say they brought him a piece of fish? Why does he specifically say they brought him a piece of broiled fish? Not cooked fish, not fried fish, broiled fish. Now, broiled fish is, you know, they'll just take a fish, gut it, stick it on a, on a spike or something and hold it open, over the open flames and, and broil it, you know. And it, obviously the, the skin of the fish would, would blacken and blister and it would you could see it was broiled so why did he record it was broiled fish? it's an unnecessary detail that it was specifically broiled fish but why records it because it's history that's what they remembered the eyewitnesses remembered yes we there was this piece of fish that we broiled over the open flames uh, and 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 we took that to jesus and he sat there and he ate it in our presence so not only did we see him not only did we touch him his hands and his feet and, and, and that identified him as the same Jesus who was crucified because the holes of the crucifixion, you know, the wounds of the crucifixion were there. But we saw him eating a fish in front of us. It, it was a physical resurrection. And why that is important, just a, a, a few things. I'm just going to mention three things. Firstly, you know, most other religions that have sort of a future vision of the world have a vision of us being saved from this world, from the physical 
But to Jesus, the physical is so important that he's also going to redeem that. His resurrection is a physical resurrection. Okay. Secondly, I mean, we often nervous about the future, about new beginnings like this and the uncertainty that come with it. Because firstly, we think, okay, what if the worst happens and we have to suffer it? Or secondly, what if the best happens and we miss out on it? You know, so many people are like, oh, I want to get married. I want to have children. I want to do this. I want to do that. I'm going to miss out. And, and what Jesus' resurrection tells us, and maybe I should just mention this. <laughs> Did you notice at the beginning of the chapter, when the women arrive at the tomb, the stone is already rolled away. It's not like the stone's rolled away and then Jesus comes. The stone isn't rolled away so that Jesus can get out. The stone is rolled away so they can get in and see. In other words, the door to eternity is opened and Jesus' resurrection is presented as a first fruit. It's presented as a new beginning, a, a fundamental new beginning, new creation, which we will ultimately share in. In other words, we will be physically resurrected, which means that you don't have to be all desperate and think, Oh, I only have one life. I've got to live it. I must make the most of this year, 2022, because if I miss out, I only have one chance. You, you don't have to be desperate if you believe in the resurrection because death isn't the end. It's not just even the beginning of the end. It's just the end of the beginning. You know, and the things that, that you now enjoy in this life, you enjoy through a filter of sin and fallenness that will be taken away after the resurrection. And th that will be so much greater after the resurrection. I mean, the, the things that we enjoy now in this life, only they're, they're a pale shadow of the true joys and pleasures that we will experience after the resurrection. So you don't have to be all desperate. If, you, if the resurrection is true, and it is then you don't have to be all desperate and say, oh, I must suck 2022 dry, you know, and get everything I can out of it and enjoy it as much as I can because I only live once. No, you don't actually only live once. If you believe in Jesus and Jesus is resurrected from the death, then Jesus has overcome death, the death of death in the death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ. And therefore we can say, even if I don't get all the pleasure I possibly can out of this life, there's all of eternity to look forward to. Okay, that's the first thing. So you don't have to be desperate about, you know, as you stand at the beginning of this year and say, oh, I must live life to the fullest because I only have one life. And the second one is you don't have to be afraid. I mean, what if the worst happens? Well, the worst happened to Jesus. Much worse than will ever happen to us. Even if we were to suffer physically as much as he suffered on the cross. We would never have to suffer psychologically and spiritually. We never have to say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He said that so that we never have to say that. So what if the worst happens? Well, there's always the resurrection. What if I get hurt? What if someone I know dies? What if I get sick? What if things go wrong? What if I'm in, in an accident? What, what if, what if, what if the worst happens? Doesn't matter. Because there's always the resurrection. I love what um, Don Carson says. He's a famous um, evangelical theologian. And he says, you don't suffer from anything that a good resurrection cannot cure. And that is true. Even if the worst happens. Even if you're suffering now. Even if things are going wrong. Even if you get COVID. You, don't, you won't suffer from anything that a good resurrection cannot cure. And if you believe in Jesus, then a resurrection is exactly 
what's waiting in your future. In other words, Jesus' resurrection is an ultimate, is a, is a fundamental new beginning that points towards a new beginning for all of us. And as we stand at the beginning of this new year, we'll do well to remember there's a new beginning waiting for us in the future, a resurrection new beginning that makes everything that has happened and that can't possibly happen okay. It means that that we can start this new year with confidence, no matter how much uncertainty this year holds. Because ultimately, because of Jesus' resurrection, everything will be made all right. And we can face this year with confidence, no matter how well it goes or how poorly it goes. I think that's very encouraging. And then there's another new beginning you know, the first new beginning, like I said, is the resurrection of Jesus, which points to our resurrection. Um, but there's another new beginning uh, that he talks about here. He says, then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. And just by the way, sort of as an, as an aside, I really trust that while you were reading with us through the Gospel of Luke, and, and, and if you uh, continue reading with us through the, the book of Acts, that you will also experience what the disciples experienced, that Jesus opens your mind so that you can understand the Scriptures, so that, so that you can really understand it. I mean, Jesus had spoken to them before, to the disciples before, about the resurrection, and yet they were still surprised by it. And so often we are like that. We, we believe what Jesus says, but when it happens, we're still surprised, which shows that to some extent we haven't fully believed it yet. And, and, and let's trust God that he'll open up our eyes so that we'll fully believe it. And, I mean, it's that belief, that understanding of Scripture, and that belief that it really happened, and that what, what hasn't been fulfilled yet, the fact that what has been fulfilled shows that what, what, what still needs to be fulfilled is, is sure and will be fulfilled. It's certain. We can have confidence in it. I mean, that's what enabled in the book of Acts the, the early Christians to live such phenomenal lives because they had such confidence in Scripture. You know, what has been fulfilled proves that what will be fulfilled will happen. It's certain. So no matter how uncertain the, 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 the future is, the promises of God are certain, and we can trust in them. We can really believe them. Um, and... And I'm trusting with you that, uh, that we'll be able to live with that same confidence. Then he says, he told them, this is what is written. The Messiah must suffer and rise, will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. So he's saying when the Holy Spirit is poured out, uh, and then he says, you know, wait in Jerusalem until you're clothed with power from on high. And we know from the, the early chapters of Acts that that's the Holy Spirit that will be poured out on us. And, and you'll receive power and the Holy, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We know that that's the new beginning. There's a fundamental new beginning for the, where the church age starts, the new covenant. Remember, the new, you enter the new covenant when you receive the Spirit. All the old covenant prophecies talk about that. And, and he's saying that is the new beginning, beginning in Jerusalem. Um, in fact, when, when Paul, or Peter, sorry, remembers it in Acts chapter 11, uh, when, when he's testifying um, of, of it in, in verse 15, he says, uh, he's remembering um, Cornelius in his house receiving the Spirit. 
and listen to how he, he, he remembers it. He says, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. When was that? On the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out on, on the apostles. Then I remembered what the Lord had said. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift he gave us who, who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? So Peter, when he's saying the Holy Spirit came upon us at the beginning, he's not talking about that at the beginning of the book of Acts. He didn't even know Luke was going to write uh, the book of Acts many decades later. He was talking about a more fundamental beginning. He was talking about the beginning of the new covenant. And what that shows us, and, and, and what this verse, yeah, in verse 49, Luke 24 verse 49 shows, Jesus says, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in this city until you have been clothed with power from on high. It, it shows us two things. Number one, that this new beginning, the beginning of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, the beginning of the new covenant, the beginning of the church age. Number one, it's, it's a, the promise of the Father. It's, in, it's also in fulfillment of Scripture, just like the resurrection. Um, in fact, I can read you the very verse that um, most clearly prophesies it. In um, Okay, it's, a, it's, it's not a, 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 a fully-fledged quote. It's, it's a more subtle allusion. But when I read it now, you're going to see... Exactly what I mean, that, that, that this is the verse from which it comes. Um, I'm going to read from Isaiah 32, verse 14 and 15, but it's verse 15 that is the, uh, the allusion, uh, allusion. It says, The fortress will be abandoned, the noisy city deserted, the citadel and watchtower will become a wasteland forever, the delight of donkeys and pasture, uh, a pasture for flocks. So the, the city that had a fortress and uh, it was a noisy city, um, this had a citadel and watchtower, that was Jerusalem. So it's the same city when he says, Remain in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. It's the same city. It's the city of Jerusalem. And then in verse 15 it says, so, uh, you know, it will become a delight of donkeys, a pasture of, um, for flocks, until the Spirit is poured out on us from on high. And the desert becomes a fertile field, and the fertile field seems like a forest. Can you see it's, it's that exactly scripture? You know, power from on high. The Spirit is poured out from on high. He's, he's pointing back to Isaiah 32 verse 15. So it's, it's the promise of the Father. It's the fulfillment of Scripture, this new beginning of the Holy Spirit. So when you receive the Holy Spirit, He is a new beginning, <clears throat> a fundamental new beginning. But is a new beginning that empowers you. And it's such an important empowerment that you dare not start a new beginning without that empowerment. And that's the thing that Jesus, he says, because he's told them, you know, you are my witnesses. Go to all nations. But he says, don't go to all nations until you're empowered with, from, with the Holy Spirit from on high. Until you've experienced that new beginning. That new beginning is necessary for everything else that I've called you to do and I've commissioned you to do. The commission must lay dormant until the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. That is how critical the empowerment of the Holy Spirit is. We cannot, the, the, the early church couldn't face the church age without it and we cannot face this year without it. Now, most, if not many of you, have already been filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's great. Some of you, if you haven't, notice what Jesus says. The new beginning of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit leads to a new beginning for the whole world. He says, the Messiah 
will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, which has already been fulfilled. And then, future for them, the repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in His name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. So the new beginning of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit leads to a new beginning for all nations. All nations can repent and experience the forgiveness of sins. Think of it in this way. Just because you repent of something doesn't mean you must be forgiven. Say someone murders your mother and they admit it and they say, yes, you know, I, I did it in cold blood. I stabbed her with a knife. I killed her. But I'm sorry. Does that just mean they can just leave and they don't have to go to jail? No. Okay. So it's the fact. I mean, just be, I mean, you should repent of something you did wrong. But just because you repent doesn't mean that you can be forgiven automatically. But it's because the Messiah suffered the death that we were supposed to suffer for our sins. That we can actually, when we repent, also be forgiven our sins and start a clean slate have a new, fresh beginning. So there's a, a fundamental, fresh beginning for every individual of all nations that has started now that the, the new beginning of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit has, has been come. Re- repentance and the forgiveness of sins. A new beginning for, in His name, belief in Him, to all nations, everyone who believes in His name, beginning in Jerusalem. So, if you haven't experienced that new beginning yet, the forgiveness of sins is available for you. Don't carry your heavy burdens of sin and guilt and shame with you from the old year into the new year. Come and unburden with Jesus. He's the only place where you can unburden and experience repentance and the forgiveness of sins. If that's you, just right there where you are, pray and say, God, I repent. In fact, all of us will do well to do that. I mean, Jesus says, uh, or, or the writer to the Hebrews says, um, you know, we'll run the race set out before you with, with patience and endurance. And then he says, don't, you know, laying down every weight and the sin that so easily entangles, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. In other words, don't, don't get entangled with with sins and all kinds of heavy weight because you're running a, a, a marathon, a long-distance race. Lay down those heavy burdens. You, you know, if, if you, whether you're doing it for the first time or whether you're doing it for the hundredth time, doesn't matter. Lay down those burdens. Repentance and the forgiveness of sins. Start this new year with a clean slate, without heavy burdens. Lay them down. And you can do that. And, and then start in the power of the Holy Spirit because... You can be clothed with with power from on high. And even if you have already received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, in in the book of Acts we see those same disciples who in Acts chapter 2 were baptized in the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 4 they are again filled with the Holy Spirit. God gets so excited, He shakes the building, He fills them with the Holy Spirit again, anew, afresh, and and with boldness to be witnesses for Him. That's the only way, because I mean that's what He's called us to do. He's, He's called us to testify of the fundamental new beginning, the new creation that comes from the new beginning of the resurrection and the new beginning of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. He's called us to be witnesses to that. And that's the most important thing that we, you and I are going to do this year, 2022. 
And we can only do it, really do it the way Jesus called us to do it. If we are empowered with the Holy Spirit from on high. So I'm going to end off and pray for us. But I just want to end off with a little image that I want you to bear in mind. Jesus' physical resurrection and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit sort of create this image in my mind. If you think of of a spoon, but just a, a normal mild steel, you know, soft steel spoon, you know, if it becomes old, it becomes all rusted and it, it starts to flake and oxidize and rust and even break. But if that mild steel were instead mixed with, uh, you know, chrome and magnesium and all the kind of stuff that you need to make stainless steel, then it no longer rusts. And our resurrection our physical resurrection bodies are going to be the same bodies that now decay and get sick and get old and ultimately die. The same bodies, but in a sense spiritually made stainless steel so they no longer decays or rusts or gets sick or breaks. Okay? Um, and, 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 and it happens. It's, it's already started happening through the presence of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. So I just want you to remember that picture That is the new beginning that Jesus holds up for us. A new beginning of going from rusting and decaying to being, rusting and decaying steel to being stainless steel. Being made fit for eternity. Ready for eternity. Father, we just want to thank you, Lord, for this new year. Thank you for 2022. And thank you, Lord, that even though we know there's a lot of uncertainty, even though many people have lost their optimism um, just because of the past years and, and just how it was so different from what they expected, so so much more difficult than what they expected. Thank you that as Christians we can, Lord, be the ultimate optimists because we're not only looking forward to the year that lies ahead, but we're looking forward to the eternity that lies ahead. Thank you, Jesus, that you were raised from the dead, physically raised from the dead, That we can know it, Lord, based on eyewitness testimonies who recorded it as history, eyewitness history. And who died for their testimony that on the third day he rose again. And thank you for your Holy Spirit that you pour out on us. Thank you that you empower us, clothe us with power from on high. Empower us through your Holy Spirit to be your witnesses and to witness this year, Lord. And every other year that you spare us to the fact that you have restarted creation, a new creation. There's been a new beginning. And we just and we can be witnesses of that to all nations that everyone who believes in your name can receive can can repent and receive the forgiveness of sins. And we pray that with that optimism, with that encouragement we'll go into this year, with that empowerment and with that hope we'll go into this new year and share that hope through our testimony with those around us. In Jesus' name. May the Lord bless you, even as Jesus lifted his hands and blessed his disciples as he was raised from the dead. May he bless you this year. And may you experience his hope, his joy, his presence and his power. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Joburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com